Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week here in the state of Texas. And really, it's a good week to say that. You know, I use that line every time at the beginning of our weekly radio show and podcast. But given what all happened last week, certainly a lot to be thankful for. The sun is shining. Uh, boy, it's almost 80 degrees, I think, outside. Uh, one of my sons is going to be p- playing baseball tomorrow. So, you know, but not to make light of people still out there struggling. And so, you know, it's going to be something that will continue to deal with here in the state of Texas. But this show's not about the weather, but that those things that happened last year certainly could be something that impacts our faith, family, and freedom. We've got a great guest today. Emily Gal is going to be our guest today from Heritage. And she leads the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Religious Society. And we're so happy to have her as a guest because she's got a tremendous amount of experience as it relates to the issues of religious freedom, some of the issues we see with sexuality that are happening even this week. And so she's done a lot of great work before she worked with, uh, uh, began her work with Heritage Foundation, distinguished herself quite well as a graduate of Harvard Law and worked for prominent law firms and also government entities. And so we're excited to have her on. We've done work with her from time to time in the past, but uh, I think it might be the first time that I actually interviewed her here on the Texas Values Report. Emily, welcome to the Texas Values Report. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Well, it's great to have you on because you've had a busy week. Uh, Last week, I'm sure it always feels like your job is extremely busy in the work that you're doing at a national level. And, And Texas Values is an organization. We like to focus on what happens at the state level, but there's no doubt that Things that happen uh, across the country can impact Texas, and there's things that Texas does, being one of the largest states in the country and really the ninth largest economy in the world that can impact things nationally as well. So we always like to connect with our national friends. And one of the reasons that's so important is because the things that are happening across the country can shape the discussion now with a different administration up in D.C. at the White House can impact things that are happening at the state level. I know in the work that you've done over the years, you've dealt with these issues. They seem to be increasing in importance for people to know about it. Uh, But you've been involved in the legal field for a while, and Heritage Foundation has been doing great work. I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about the organization, and then we'll get into some of the details of the topics you've been handling lately. Well, thank you. Yes, I'm very delighted to work for the Heritage Foundation. The Heritage Foundation is a conservative think tank that seeks to educate members of Congress as well as the executive branch about good conservative federal policies. We are supported by 500,000 members from around the country and we rely on them for their support. And we're grateful that we also get to work on issues involving life, marriage and religious liberty at the Richard and Helen DeVos Center. And that we've been able to partner with organizations like yours, Jonathan, because the state partners that we have are critical to inform us about what is going on in the states and how federal policies from DC actually affect people in states like Texas. Well, there's no question. And, and you know, look, I we've done some work from time to time where we go up to DC. Our organization primarily focuses on what happens at the state level, but Heritage Foundation is one of those organizations that we really look to to give us an idea what's happening in other states. I mean, what's happening on the national landscape but how are other states handling some of these issues? There's a lot of great research that your organization does. People can go to heritage.org to find out more about the Rich and, uh, excuse me, Richard and Helen DeVos 
society, excuse me, Center for Religion and Civil Society and some of the work specifically that Emily's doing, but a lot of great work across the spectrum from our friends at Heritage Foundation. And so, look, there's been a lot of issues. We've had some interaction in, in one way or another with you and with your team and staff this uh, week and last week because things are starting to heat up. We see a change in administration. As you may know, in our state, our state legislature is meeting this year. We meet every other year. We started in January. And a lot of talk about the direction of things, what is going to be the future of religion, what's going to happen to our children and some of those policies. And there's a big vote this week on the Equality Act. But let's jump back for a second and, and talk about one of the projects that you did a presentation on this week, Protecting America's Children. Thanks. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk about the Promise for America's Children. It is a nationwide movement of concerned parents, grandparents, citizens, and lawmakers to stand up and protect children, particularly children's minds, bodies, and relationships with their parents, which are increasingly under attack by sexual um, influences, both from the media and from our culture, but also from law and policy, like the Equality Act, that are teaching children a destructive gender ideology, um, that a boy could be trapped in a girl's body or vice versa. And we are very concerned about protecting the next generation of Americans. And so that's why we started The Promise. And I'm delighted to say that over 50 organizations have endorsed The Promise. And we've gotten support from lawmakers across the country, both at the state and federal level. Well, such an important time to do that. You know, we, Texas Values, I believe, signed on to this effort as well. I know you've been doing presentations about this issue. And it seems like there's stories that continue to come out as it relates to these issues. We worked on some sexual, excuse me, sex education issues last year. Our State Board of Education took a vote on what those standards are gonna be like, what's gonna be taught for six, close to six million public school students in the state of Texas. We were really thankful that those votes went well. A lot of the research that Heritage Foundation does, we were able to use when we talk to lawmakers, we talk to policymakers and people in education but, you know, that's Texas. I, I, you know, you look at things happening in California and other parts of the country where you've got a different, you know, political party running things or a different mindset. Uh, you know, I continue to see stories of, of the way that children are being really forced to question at such a young age uh, natural things about their body. There's nothing wrong, but they're really being encouraged to question that and sometimes go in a direction that's irreversible. That's right. It's sort of a double whammy, the school policies, because first of all, it is teaching children at a very young age to question whether they are, you know, a boy or a girl. Even kindergartners are being read books like I Am Jazz. But the other part of the double whammy is that schools are keeping information from the parents if children become confused about their gender. So we see in Wisconsin, there's a lawsuit by parents against the Madison school district because they have a policy of basically lying to parents if children have any um, concern about their gender. So parents really need to be aware of what's going on, both the curriculum that's taught, but also the policies that are adopted. We all know about the sports policies, the locker room, shower, and bathroom policies that would make them all co-ed. These policies endanger safety and privacy and obviously fairness for girls in sports, but also they stigmatize children who don't ascribe to the new orthodoxy on sex and gender. Well, that's what we've seen in our experience. I mean, it really creates an environment, particularly people that have biblical views, Christians, is to where they're going to be attacked. They're going to be punished 
for some reason for following their biblical beliefs. And we've even seen situations here in Texas where the children are, are, are led and trained as a way to create a hostile environment around those students that have biblical views. And I mean, look, this is science, right? I mean, it, it's so basic, but with a lot of this political ideology putting pressure on the schools and some within from within the schools and then, and then the students, uh, a, a lot of opportunity, unfortunately, for some things to go wrong and for some children to suffer. There's a whole lot for them to already deal with, particularly this year related to just getting to go to school and complete their schoolwork. And so now they've got some of these added burdens and pressures. But I know you've been involved in educating people on these issues. And a lot of times that helps create new policies when necessary to make sure that there's fairness and that there's uh, protections on these type of issues. You mentioned the sports issue. That's been getting a little bit of attention. I want to touch on that. And then I definitely want to talk about the Equality Act. That's the so-called Equality Act that's being talked about, debated and voted this week by Congress. But the sports issue has been getting a lot of attention, too. I know even at the K through 12 level, you've got situations where girls uh, are losing opportunities. They're losing competitions because biological males are being allowed. Now the Biden administration is supporting this, an old policy from Obama. So we're going to see that issue heat up again. And, and it's unfortunate because uh, I, these are not hypotheticals. You actually have young ladies that are losing opportunities and losing athletic competitions because of these policies. That's right. And if the Equality Act were to pass, you would see that happen nationwide. You would see the beginning of the end of women and girls sports because it only takes one male to enter into a women's competition or a girls competition to basically destroy fairness for all the competitors. And what we've seen in Connecticut where three girls are suing their state is that two boys started to enter into track and field competitions. And as a result, they took first and second place, which took away the skills, the scholarship opportunities of girls who should have won those competitions. And so the Equality Act would be disastrous for women and girls. It would be incredibly unfair and even dangerous because in some contact sports, women have actually gotten injured when men who identify as women participate. So in mixed martial arts, there was a very sad wow. case about a woman who was basically beaten and had her orbital bone fractured by a man who identifies as a woman who is now fighting in MMA. She said that she had never experienced such force before, which of course, you know, she had been fighting women up until that point. So there are very serious issues that the Equality Act would create, not only safety and privacy and fairness, um, but really a danger to women's health this is an issue, too. We saw, I think, today the Department of Justice has changed their position in this particular lawsuit. So that's kind of the difference, right? You've got the Obama, excuse me, the uh, Trump administration that was supporting these young athletes. Now you've got Biden administration, the Department of Justice, at least I thought that's what I um, saw earlier reported. And so that can have an impact in this type of uh, litigation. We, you mentioned the Equality Act, which touches on these issues, Emily. And that is a congressional act that's being voted on this week, expected to be voted on. We know a, a, a version of this passed the House before. And with some of the differences in the elections in the Senate now, there's a concern that you might see it pass uh, both chambers. I mean, what, what's the pot? And, and I know you've been involved in efforts uh, to get the word out on that. Let's talk a little bit about on details on what the Equality Act is and what are the chances that it might pass? 
Right, so your viewers may want to know that the Equality Act basically would turn civil rights law from a shield that protected people from unjust discrimination into a sword that would compel people to um, conform to this new orthodoxy on sexuality and on gender. And it would basically put anybody who believes that marriage is between a man and a woman, that we're created male and female, it would make us second class citizens and threaten us with, with, with fines and even with criminal punishment. So it would be disastrous for civility in this country and for our constitutional freedoms. As for its path through the Congress, um, with a House that is controlled by the Democrats, it's very likely that it will pass tomorrow. Um, the vote on HR5 will be tomorrow. We hope that there will be many Republicans, maybe even some Democrats, who stand up against the harms, particularly the harms to women and children and religious freedom. Um, Tulsi Gabbard was a Democrat from Hawaii. She actually introduced a bill to protect women and girls sports before she left. And so that's an encouraging sign that there is bipartisan recognition of what's at stake. And then there's the Senate. So after the House, the Senate is likely to take it up. And right now with the filibuster, I think it's unlikely that the Equality Act would pass. Um, the, the supporters of the Equality Act would have to get um, nine, at least nine Republican senators to vote for it in order to make it pass. And I don't think that there are clearly nine senators who would vote for it right now. Of course, not everyone is revealing their votes. So there's still a lot of time and a great need to educate senators about what you know the Equality Act would actually do, which is create inequality. Well, look, I think it's a great point to, to look at the makeup of the House, the Senate, and see how that can impact these issues and there is some uncertainty. We're talking with Emily Gao, who is the director of the Richard and Helen DeVos Center for Religion and Civil Society with Heritage Foundation. And she's involved in analyzing these issues, doing research, putting out tremendous information, informing people, doing great presentations on these issues as well. And look, here in Texas, we're going to try to do something about it. There is a state law we're working on. We know other states are as well. I think uh, 10, if not more, on the sports issue itself the Save Women's Sports Issue, the Fair Play Act, if you will, that it's being called. That's House Bill 1548 here in the state of Texas. There's a Senate bill, very similar, I believe the bill number is Senate Bill 373, which just relates to high school. The one in the House is high school and collegiate. That's one way, Emily, that states can say, hey, we don't have to just sit back and wait and see what Congress does. We can be, go on the offensive, so to speak, and try to protect our athletes, protect women's sports, because many of them are related or regulated, if you will, particularly at the K through 12 level, at the high school level, I think it's over 10 now, but I do think it feels like there's a little bit of momentum. A lot of states are saying, you know what, because of the activity of the federal government or other entities, we're going to have to step up and do something. That's fantastic because these are issues that shouldn't be decided in Washington, DC. These are issues that should be decided for Texans by Texans. Um, you know, the fate of every female athlete in Texas hinges now on the passage of this huge bill in Washington, D.C. And there really is no time to waste. And I'm so glad to hear about the bill that is being brought in Texas. And I hope that you will get a lot of support um, because we really are on the cusp of the complete uh, demolition of women and girls sports across the country. And we've had people like Martina Navratilova you know, who is definitely not a conservative, 
who's been speaking out, pleading with President Biden to reverse his order to, you know, basically implement transgender sports policies across the country. Because she recognizes that, you know, women have made so much progress in athletics. And especially in, in this country, because of Title IX that passed in 1972, we've had tremendous progress in the last 50 years. We know so much about, you know, how girls' athletic achievements can then translate into academic achievement and professional achievement. To throw all that away would be such an incredible waste. No, I couldn't have said it any better. And really, I mean, that's a stronger voice. Martina Duratolo, hey, I'm a tennis guy. I played in high school. I know very well how strong her voice is, her legacy in sports. I mean, she was a pioneer for sports, particularly in tennis, as it relates to equality and fairness in women. And so hard to think of a stronger voice on this issue. I know a lot of people are trying to silence even her voice. I've seen that on social media and others. And, and, and there is just a wide spectrum of people that think that this assaults on sports by allowing biological males to compete in women's sports in the name of the transgender movement is wrong. And so we're going to be standing up to that here in the state of Texas. We're also engaged in some efforts on religious liberty. We'll continue to share that with your team. Emily, some things I imagine y'all be supportive of and y'all know quite a bit on. But we're just about out of time with you, Emily. Really appreciate the insight, the work that you're doing, you and your team at Heritage Foundation, and so many people that are going on to do great things like our friend Ryan Anderson. I know he's got a new effort he's involved in, and so we'll look forward to staying in touch with him and others. But Emily Gow has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Emily, thank you, and God bless all the work you're doing. Thank you. All right, great. Well, look, it's great to have Emily on. She's had a busy week, okay, and so have we here in Texas, and I apologize again for some of the technical issues I'm, ha I'm having on my side but I'm hoping the light stays on for the rest of our broadcast. You didn't get to enjoy that if you were listening on the podcast or uh, on the radio, but share this video and focus on what she was saying. She's got a lot more important information than I do in some ways on this issue in depth. They've seen it from the national scope. Heritage Foundation does. They know that the attacks are coming so strong, the Equality Act. And, you know, we talked about the numbers and maybe it's going to be a tough sell in the Senate and they're not going to get those nine other votes. But boy, are they much closer now with that split and those numbers changing in the Senate and Democrats that are more likely to support this bill, having increased numbers and having a Biden presidency uh, who's very supportive of these type of issues. And we've seen it morph not into just the issues of sexuality. Now it deals with the issues of life. I mean, it's a real attack and a redefinition on the life issue, really putting people in difficult positions that have pro-life views. I mean, it very much is you could call it a pro-abortion piece of legislation as well, not just something that's dangerous on the LGBT and sexuality issues. But it's great to hear from our friends at Heritage Foundation. Again, heritage.org is their website. You can go and check them out on social media. I know Emily and other members of their team are very active. We've got some really good information update from uh, at the state level yesterday. And that would have been because um, we're, um, we're doing the, the show record a little bit earlier in the week. But on Tuesday of this week, the lieutenant governor announced his priorities. And trust me, he had a busy week last week with all the weather issues. But they were back at it uh, and on Tuesday and 31 legislative priorities that came out, many that we have been working on and telling you about the heartbeat bills on that list. There's another pro-life bill, the Human Life Act and trigger ban that's on that issue. Uh, protecting churches and religious worship is on that priority list. Uh, also, the Save Women Sports effort 
is on that list as well. Uh, other issues that we care about, um, stopping taxpayer-funded lobbying and a whole host of things that are important, certainly dealing with some of the energy issues and electricity issues we saw last week and pushing back against the out-of-control local governments with some of these restrictions during the pandemic. And, and, and this is what this means. Uh, there are going to be a lot more bills than 31 that are passed, but that list of 31 is an indication from the lieutenant governor and most likely from the majority of members of the Senate and senators that these are the things that have to get done. These are the must-pass items, priority items. They are going to be working very hard to make sure every one of these pass. And you know there's great bills on this. Um, I already talked about the Heartbeat Bill, the Human Life Act, and other. There's going to be a lot of, uh, excuse me, uh, pro-life bills in addition to those, but also protecting the, the right to worship. We knew that was such a big deal during the pandemic, churches being forced to close. You've got bills um, by Scott Sanford out there, House Bill 1239. You've got the Senate Bill, uh, Senate Bill 251. And I know on the JR side, the constitutional amendment side, it's my understanding the, the lieutenant governor's priorities are, are related to Senate bills. They could be, I guess, a, a constitutional amendment as well. But you've got a constitutional amendment by Jeff Leach and also by Senator Hancock that protect churches and a variety of bills that touch on some of those issues. And so we'll see which bill gets designated under those numbers. And the expectation is this week that Briscoe Kane, excuse me, and Senator Brian Hughes are going to file a heartbeat bill. Another one's already been filed in the House, and it might have a little bit more in there just than that as well. But speaking of the Capitol and some of the priorities of the Senate, you want to make sure that you come to the Capitol on March 17th. I'm going to see how we're doing on time here, because uh, on March 17th, it's the Texas Faith and Family Day. We're going to have a lot of great information on these issues that we're working on. We're gonna spend half the day telling you what the latest topics are and issues, give you a little bit of training and insight. Then we're gonna walk over to the Capitol together. We're gonna to have lunch before that. Lunch is catered, okay? It's, it's $5 to come to this event. That covers lunch, okay? You'll be hard pressed to find places to eat around our office anyway these days for a variety of reasons. So just pay the $5, your lunch is taken care of and you're good for the day. And we'll eat lunch together. Then we'll go over to the Capitol and we'll meet with elected officials. There might be a legislative hearing that we need to be involved in. They will start in March. It's, uh, it's not been uncommon that our, on our Faith and Family Day, there's actually a bill up. Um, we talked a little bit last week on the negative side of things, the bills that we're concerned about, the ban the Bible bills. They may be getting hearings. Those are bills that are similar to what we see happening at the congressional level through the so-called Equality Act, putting sexual orientation and gender identity into a lot of areas of state law banning and punishing Christian counselors that simply want to use the Bible or talk about their faith or have their clients talk about their faith when they discuss issues of sexuality. And so you want to be there, faith, Texas Faith and Family Day, March 17th. Go to our website, txvalues.org, or you can go to texasfaithandfamily.com. Either one of those sites has a, the ability for you to register. It's just $5. It covers lunch. It actually doesn't even cover lunch. We're putting a little bit into that to help you out and make it easy with $5. You'll get a box lunch and have everything you need uh, to have some fuel, if you will, for your body to get some good work done that day. But it's going to be a full day, probably going to be nine to four you want to plan for, if not a little bit earlier. So Faith and Family Day, March 17th, the governor, Lieutenant Governor's legislative priorities are out. Many of the issues we're working on are on that priority list. That's a huge blessing. And after now that we've gotten through the weather issues of last week, I know we've still got some things to to sort out and people need to get some repairs done, including some things going on at our office, obviously, right? That's why I'm working from home. 
but the work is going to pick up at this, the legislative session at the Texas Capitol. So we need you engaged. We know like close to 7,000 people have already sent emails to their legislators against the ban the Bible bills. Thank you so much. That loud and immediate response to these dangerous bills matters a lot. And it also lets those legislators know, well, what could I be doing to avoid that? You could try to work on supporting passing religious liberty bills and pro-life bills that make it sh clear how strong our policies are on these issues so they're not as vulnerable to attack from some of these other pieces of legislation. I didn't get to talk a lot about this last week or the week before, but we have filed a brief with the Texas Supreme Court to support the Safe Chick-fil-A Religious Freedom Law. Uh, that That is uh, litigation in a court case coming out of San Antonio. We want to make sure we can enforce this so the city of San Antonio stops banning businesses like Chick-fil-A from having businesses at their airport and other government owned and controlled facilities at the city level. They haven't gotten the message yet. They're trying to get out of this lawsuit. They don't want it to be enforced against them. And the law is very clear that government entities are not immune from being for having these laws enforced and uh, against them on these issues and held accountable. So if you care about the work we do, though, we're getting close to the end of the month. Consider making a tax deductible donation to Texas Values. You can go to txvalues.org. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and you can support us by the end of the month. That's how we're able to get more people involved in our work. We've got 12 members of our team now, four of us periodically at the state capitol. We've got our new church ambassador network across the state. We're growing, and that's because people see value in the work we're doing. But we need you to continue to stand with us as we're going to see more and more challenges this year. And so, look, it's been great to give you an update. And again, I apologize for some of the technical issues earlier. And But just like you, we're going to get through these things one way or another and make sure that you have the important information you need for faith, family, and freedom in Texas. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.